Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Nami and welcome. From Radio New Zealand National, here's our changing world. In the last few days, Scion fire scientists and rural firefighters have been setting alight blocks of wilding pines on a farm near Twizel. Wilding pines have spread across wide areas and pose a serious fire hazard, both to farming communities and conservation land. The experimental burn-offs will help scientists understand whether herbicides used to control wilding pines change the fire hazard and where the fire could be used to help reduce the number of weedy trees. Veronica Maduna joins the fire team at Pukaki Down Station. I'm in a gully at Pukaki Down Station. I've joined the team of about 50 people here, fire scientists from the Forestry Research Institute, Sion, and the University of Canterbury, as well as a crew of rural firefighters who've come from all around the region here. And in the middle of this gully, there's a plot of wilding pines. One half of it untreated, so lush and green and juicy. The other half has been treated with a desiccating chemical and that's dried out all the needles on the trees. The idea behind this is to figure out just how fire behaves in those different plots, how differently it'll move through, how quickly, how hot it gets. Grant Pierce is a fire scientist at Sion and he leads this project. The primary objective of the, the research is to better understand fire behaviour in wild and conifers. And so we're conducting a series of fire experiments to quantify how fast fires spread, uh, how hot they burn under different weather conditions. And from that, we can use that information to improve our, our fire behaviour models. We know uh, from wildfires like the 2008 Mount Cook Station fire nearby to our research site that our existing fire behaviour models for forest vegetation, for plantations, don't work in wilding pines. That's not a surprise. Um, you know, they're a different fuel structure. So uh, we need to collect data to start to develop those new models for this particular fuel type. Uh, the other aspect of the research is to look at uh, the differences in fire behaviour associated with wilding control. So the normal control techniques that are used sprays to kill the trees. Obviously by killing the trees you're creating much more dead fuel. So it's better understanding not only the fire behaviour in the live wildings, the green wildings, but also how fires burn in these uh, treated dead stands as well. So Grant, what we're looking at here is, uh, even to the uninitiated, you can clearly see the difference between the blocks. You know, one's full of young pines looking healthy. And the other ones, that sort of bronzy colour already. Yeah, that's correct. Um, the treated stand has been sprayed with a, a foliar desiccant. And what that desiccant does is it uh, attacks the live needles, the live growing parts of the plant, and, and dries them out. It responds differently than, say, a herbicide would, which would actually kill a tree, which is the other sort of spray that could be used. Uh, and so these were sprayed just after New Year back in January 
And unfortunately, because the burns were called off in, in April, they've probably been left a bit long. And with the recent wind events, we've started to lose the needles. Uh, ideally, we would have had uh, lots of uh, fine dead needles up in the canopy of the trees. And when the fire goes through, that would create a, a hotter, higher intensity fire that would provide a better kill rate probably for the trees. Uh, by losing the needles, those needles are now on the ground and we probably won't see a crown fire type fire through those uh, those dead trees. So the idea could be that fire combined with some treatment like that might actually be a good control mechanism. That's correct. So even uh, the best of the herbicides uh, that uh, are currently used for wilding control aren't 100% effective. They're getting pretty close. But not only do you have the effect of the trees that survive, you have the new regeneration that comes in. So new seeds that come into these open areas uh, that have been opened up as the trees die off. And so you're getting new trees established that then need to be controlled as well. So, so the idea that you um, spray them, kill the trees and then burn them probably gives you a more efficient kill rate, a higher kill rate. Uh, but then it also may stop some of that uh, seed from coming back in, although you may need to follow up with some sort of secondary treatment as well. All right, greetings all. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Darren Woods, formerly of Twizel, currently Principal Royal Fire Officer for, for Christchurch City, so uh, I'll be your incident controller for today. We're going to run this just as a standard OMT briefing, a little bit loosely, obviously. We're, uh... and my name's Darren Woods. I'm the incident controller for the uh, Walding Tree Research Burns here at Pukeke Downs. So how big's the crew you brought with you? Today there's about 46 people on site. Uh, Firefighters or 46 in total? Uh, 46 in total, including the research teams. And they are spread from from as far away as, as just north of the uh, Waimakariri River, uh, right through to Mount Cook and, and Twizel. So we're just overlooking the site, and it's from this little hill here. It's very clearly visible. There's a, a big block of green-looking pines, all young pine, wilding pines, and then a block of treated pines. Around that is dry, not even grassland really, there's nothing growing on it. Is that part of the protection belt? Is that what you guys had to do or is it the farmer's work? Well absolutely, so there has been a, a few bit of work done by the by the landowner but also by the research team. So that clear area, uh, there is some, some low grassland vegetation in there but that's been maintained clear to, to prevent the fire from spreading. Uh, obviously we are surrounded on, on two sides by by remaining standing contorta forest which is a concern to us if, uh, if the fire breaks out into that and that will obviously extend the amount of time that we need to spend here. So we're, we're putting in every effort we possibly can to make sure that this research burn stays within the perimeters of the burn area and so we've got uh, crews monitoring this, um, we've sectorised uh, the flanks and they'll be patrolling that with, with water. So the sprinklers and are going already? Spr sprinklers are going at the downwind end so that's a dampen that area really, so it doesn't spread across it. Then you've got a few pumps and things uh, set up? Yes, so we're supported by a number of appliances and portable pumps as well as the crews around the place and everybody's tasked to, uh, in the first instance, just to monitor, observe, make sure that the fire is staying within its, within its areas. If all goes according to plan, once the research coordinators uh, given the uh, all clear that they've re reached their objectives, we'll get in there and we'll produce a wet line, mop-up line, just to prevent that fire spreading. So your job will be to, to mop up literally afterwards as well? Absolutely.
Just to make sure that there's nothing, no hotspots left over? Correct. That's the whole purpose of this, is to give us a, a, a controlled environment to, to test what fire behaviour is likely to be under these conditions and these sorts of fuels, which are becoming more and more pre prevalent uh, around the country, particularly in Canterbury and Otago, the Walding Pines. And wildfire is one of the you know, key risks that we're expecting in warmer temperatures in the future. It's very topical at the moment with the recent wind events and we've had a, a very dry uh, winter, particularly on the east coast of the South Island and heading into a, a strong El Nino weather pattern. We are predicting that, that uh, firefighting teams around, particularly around the east coast of the South Island, are, are going to be particularly busy this summer. This coming summer. Mm. So that's the sort of stuff that you as firefighters get out of a research burn like this. This is a fairly unique opportunity that not often the firefighters will get the opportunity to sit back and actually observe fire and actually be able to see all the things that they've been taught see how the fire is actually going to behave, interact with the, with the fire environment, which is the combination of the fuels, the topography and the weather. That produces um, some very valuable learnings for them, which they can then put into their future time on fire lines, really. So all you have to do is fill in your crew names, okay. where you're from, so Christchurch, Sion, start time, so it's about 9.20, research or pukaki burns for the incident name. Hi, I'm Veronica Clifford and I'm with Sion, the research team, based in Christchurch. This morning we're setting up some Raider Spread loggers. So they're in fireproof canisters with uh, some flame resistant insulation as well. We've got a small hobo logger with a um, thermal couple probe. And so we're going to place these in a grid um, out in the burn block. And so once the fire is moving through these thermal couple probes, We'll measure the temperature and we'll know the exact time that the fire has touched this and then we can work out how fast the fire is spreading out in the block and we'll also know, have an indication of how hot the fire is burning. So we've got about 45 of these to set up. And they'll be right in each of those blocks that you'll be burning off. You'll yeah. do that for everyone. for everyone. At the start of all of this, when you were getting ready, you have timed everybody's clocks and all... We did all phones and all computers in exactly the same time. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's all part of this data logging. So everything will be synchronised, so we'll know exactly what time the fire has reached each one of our pieces of equipment. So there's a lot of other equipment out in the blocks as well, not just these thermal couple probes. Two more to go. See one up here. Two. One on top of that tree. Two. So um, at the moment we are placing our radar spread logger canisters in a grid out in the block and they are separated uh, 15 metres apart in each row. So this is a live block, we're just walking through those young pines yes. now, they're all still looking quite healthy, they are untreated. They are untreated block, they're about uh, one and a half to two metres tall and we've also got um, an understory of grass fuel, so there's live and dead grass. The, uh, the live grass will probably slow this fire down just a little bit, and when we get into that treated block, you'll see that the trees are more dead, and the grass is a lot more cured as well. Um, and we expect that the, the fire will run a lot faster, and we'll see that when we download these Raider Spread Logger canisters. Um, these canisters were a collaboration with the University of Canterbury Engineering Services, so they're a, a new design, and this is the first time we're going to trial them on the field. We're now standing in the middle of the block, yeah. and what we have is a thermal couple tower. 
It's got probes at every one metre and what that's going to do is measure how hot or how intense the fire will be. And also facing the thermocouple tower is some in-fire camera boxes. So these are fireproof and we have a handy cam and also GoPros. And we have three of them set up. One to face the fire approaching, one to face the f well, to see the back of the fire, and another one um, facing east. And what it's going to do is show us the fire behaviour. So where the fire is burning, is it burning on the grass, is it burning in the trees, what type of fire, so is it a surface fire, a crown running fire. We'll also get an idea of the flame height, so that's also another indication of how hot. So... These cameras are now aiming at the thermocouple tower and we can see at every one metre um, how high the fire might get with that, the probes. I'm Tara Strand and I'm an atmospheric scientist for Scion. So if you're interested in the atmosphere, you're looking at things like smoke dispersal or particulate dispersal? Yes, that's correct. So we have instrumentation out within the fire itself to understand the turbulence or the vertical motion that's coming off of a fire due to all the heat and how that's translating into the atmosphere in the form of a smoke plume. And then how that smoke plume will move and transport downwind and spreading in a lateral direction. And really looking at uh, the concentrations inside that smoke. So how much particulate matter is inside that smoke? How smoky is it really is what we're looking at. So there's a few weather stations down around the block. They are really just to monitor things like wind direction, wind speed. Yeah, so we have two uh, weather stations that are there just to monitor in real time wind speed, wind direction, so we can get the data in real time, the, the wind and the wind speed, as well as temperature and relative humidity, which are all important for fire and fire behavior. But we also have some uh, higher level instrumentation in the forms of sonic anemometers, and these instruments are measuring wind in all three directions, so north, south, east, west, up, down, at 10 times per second, so very, very fast. So we can. So that's not a wind one. It's really a sonic instrument that uses a sound? Uh, it uses sound, that's correct. So it has two uh, listening devices and it's pinging each themselves back and forth. And if the sound reaches one side faster than the speed of sound, then it's moving in that direction. If it's slower, it's moving in the opposite direction. So it's really sensitive data and it could tell us uh, the likes of what's the vertical lift coming off of the fire. Are there the circulations where the fire sends up warm, warm air and then cold air sweeping in underneath? And uh, we're coordinating that with the University of Canterbury Geography Department and their measurements. They also have sonic anemometers in the plots and um, a visual camera in order to look at um, infrared and see if we could see the, the, the vertical fluctuations in the infrared. So will that give you information about things, for example, how likely a fire would be able to jump across a barrier? Yeah, so ultimately the goal is to look at this data and to understand how the fire is moving and spreading within the plot. And if we understand how this circulation, this vertical circulation is occurring, we can then translate that into a tool in the future and then that can be used. And you're right, our ultimate goal is to really understand what is the threshold that makes a fire behave different than expected, so what would make it jump the plot, and uh, this data should help us get a little bit closer to answering that puzzle. My name is uh, Marwan Katoji. I'm an uh, atmospheric scientist at the Center for Atmospheric Research at the University of Canterbury. My main field of research is uh, 
basically the weather close to the surface of the earth. What brings you to this fire site, though? Well, I mean, obviously it's an opportunity to study uh, um, at the atmosphere under severe or severe weather conditions. Uh, um, we are interested in looking at fire atmospheric interactions with the uh, with the winds. So you're looking at the turbulence right above the fire. That's right. That's basically how the fire modifies the turbulence above the fire, and how the atmospheric turbulence actually modifies the fire behavior. And you brought some gadgets for this. So I'm Paul from the University of Canterbury Geography Department. I'm here to fly a fixed-wing UAV, unmanned aerial vehicle. Uh, so we'll be flying uh, directly over the fire burn. Uh, How directly? How close can you get? Uh, well, we have not done it before, so it's it's all new for us. Um, there have been people fly UAVs over fires before, and it's it's doable. So we'll just be playing it by ear, really, and, and we'll get probably within 100 feet uh, is what we're hoping to get, level out at 100 feet over the fire. Obviously, if things are too turbulent there, we'll just we'll climb and, and we'll, we'll play it by ear. But, yeah, hopefully 100 feet over the fire should be, should be a good level for measuring what we're trying to get. What sort of instrumentation does the... Can I call it a drone? Uh, if you like. It's got no missiles, but... <laughs> <laughs> so what sort of instrumentation does it carry? Oh, currently it's in its simplest form. So we have a, a temperature sensor and a relative humidity sensor. Um, in its more complex form, it could carry uh, turbulence probes. And this is basically uh, a device that measures um, wind velocity in three directions and wind turbulence. It's also carrying GPS. Uh, it can figure out airspeeds, uh, velocities, directions uh, with the autopilot on board and that logs all that as well. So we can relate that in to the uh, temperature and relative humidity data. Are you going to be feeding that part of the research back to Scion and Scion feeding you guys? Is it a co cooperation in that sense? Yeah, certainly, certainly. Um, we work with Scion very closely. We've uh, we've been working together on, on various other research burns um, and we're really looking forward for this one. Division Bravo operations. So we'll have a crew, maybe two to four people, that will have drip torches, that will have fuel, and they'll ignite that. Um, and then they're going to lay a line of old fuel to act as an accelerant and that will help with us getting a nice uh, long fire line. Just lighting up now and doing a little trial test burn initially before we light up the whole block and that's just to see how well it will burn or how well it won't burn. So what are they using? Uh, it's a mixture, mixture of diesel and petrol. So they're carrying the tanks on their back in a backpack and then they've got a little injection, kind of a, like a, pretty much like we would use a wheat sprayer. Yeah, well the tanks um, have compressed air so they're working under pressure, uh, like, a, like a mini flamethrower. Looking into the future, if under climate change scenarios, wilding pines will be possibly a bigger problem because in warmer temperatures and more CO2 in the air they'll probably grow better, faster. That's correct. Fires too though, I mean wildfires will be a higher risk too. You have uh, warmer, drier conditions in some parts of the country, wetter in other parts of the country. So not only should we see a sort of an expansion of the sort of uh, areas that are ideal for wildings to, to spread into, but we're likely to also see through those hotter, drier, windier conditions the likelihood of more fire starts and therefore more fires potentially in these sorts of fuel types. And that was Grant Pierce, a fire scientist at the Forestry Research Institute, Scion, and you also heard from his colleagues Tara Strand and Veronica Clifford, as well as Marvin Katuji and Paul Beeling from the University of Canterbury, and Darren Woods, the Principal Rural Fire Officer for the Christchurch City Council. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radio.nz.com.
www.co.nz forward slash our changing world. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.